Hi, everyone. My name is Kirk Bachman, and welcome back to The Ultimate Dish. In today's episode, we're speaking with esteemed chef, Curtis Duffy, executive chef and owner of Ever, his latest two Michelin star restaurant in Chicago. Curtis is no stranger when it comes to building world-renowned restaurants. His previous restaurants include Avenues at the Peninsula Hotel in Chicago, which earned two Michelin stars, and Grace, which received two Michelin stars in its first year, and three Michelin stars the next four years in a row. Chef Curtis has also won numerous accolades, including the Forbes Travel Guide's five-star rating, AAA's five-diamond rating, and he also won the James Beard Foundation's Best Chef Great Lakes Award in 2016. Join us today as we chat with Curtis about his philosophy on cooking, building a brand, charity, and his journey to the top of the culinary industry. Chef, welcome. Thank you so much for chatting with Hello. me today. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You know, I'm really enjoying the nice sunny weather here in Chicago. It's uh, blistering hot, which is nice because uh, we only get that <laughs> for a short period of time in the city. So it's it's been really nice to to enjoy that. You getting outside a little bit and enjoying it or are you behind the stove all day? You know, I'm enjoying it on my way to work and on my way home from work. There you so, go. Yeah, it's, uh, That's a chef. It's short answer. Answer, but it's yeah. appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. It's uh, I'm, I'm flying to Chicago this afternoon, actually, um, have a meeting with uh, the team in Chicago. So I haven't been there since uh, this crazy thing called the pandemic. So I'm very, very much looking forward yeah. to it. But uh, OK, well, you have hey, any I, free time and yeah. see us. Oh, I'd, I'd love that. I'd love that. Believe me, I'm going to try to get it onto the agenda. But uh, I have to say, sure. I am I am so excited to see you. It's been uh, too long and your success just keeps coming. I'm Super honored that you joined us here today. The whole school knows that we're chatting. They're all going to leave my office alone. You know, I'm talking to Curtis. I'm talking to Curtis. But uh, <laughs> hey, be before we dive into food and you and anything else, I've got to go to mo motorcycle route. Here we are again on uh, The Ultimate Dish talking to a great chef who is in love with motorcycles. What is it? It's either music motorcycles and food or all, all of the above, but you're a big fan of the motorcycle, right? What kind of bikes do you ride? I'm actually a fan of the music and motorcycles. Perfect. You know, for Perfect. me, <laughs> I, love, I love the cruising motorcycle of the speed BMW, best of both worlds, really best enjoying of both riding. Worlds. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My Miami is incredible to ride a motorcycle in. The city is really beautiful. Why, why is that? Is it, uh, it just super welcoming the weather? It's the weather. It's maintained streets. Yeah. I've got a BMW 650 GS, which is basically a sewing machine on wheels, but I enjoy it. And <laughs> a little bit of wind is all I need and just a tiny bit of speed, but, uh, I absolutely love it. Well, there's not many who don't know the name Curtis Duffy today, but gosh, before you became and this has been a while, you know, a household name, a famous chef, and everybody wants a minute of your time, you know, tell our students and our listening audience, you know, who is Curtis Duffy and where's Curtis from? And where did that love for cooking really stem from? I know a little of the story, but I'm super excited to hear your, yeah. your take. Yeah, I grew up my first 13 years in Colorado Springs, outside of Columbus, Ohio, and really stepped into... A kitchen at the age of 14, washing dishes, doing those minuscule tasks that a, a dishwasher would do while they're not washing dishes, uh, peeling vegetables, 
cleaning fish, those type of things, and really fell in love with the environment. And the instant gratification for me was seeing something that was transformed from a raw state into something that was servable and something that a guest would actually enjoy. So that was always really exciting for me. And, you know, I went on to other restaurants and still had that feeling, that passion, and something just clicked in me one day that I felt like this is really what I wanted to do as a living. And this was my passion. I was really passionate about being in the kitchen and couldn't wait to for the next day to get back into the kitchen because it was just a constant learning curve for me. And I just felt like a sponge. I was just absorbing everything around me and the environments and the people and the techniques and the food. And it was a brand new world for me, something I'd never experienced. That's kind of where I got started in this whole crazy world. Yeah, it's a it's it's a great story for for students and young culinarians, right? Who sometimes maybe stand there in the kitchen wondering, oh my gosh, is this going to get better? Am I going to get better? Right. So the passion piece, right. the, the thing that keeps pulling you back in, right? Were there some early mentors or tormentors who who kept you coming back day after day after day? How do you go from someone who's learning the craft to even and I know there were stops at, you know, with Charlie and, and others, but how do you go from, boy, I'm just learning the craft. I'm really trying to capture this passion. I've got people around me that support me. And then all of a sudden it's, uh, and we'll talk about like what it means, you know, one star, two star, three star to get to that level. There is no higher level than the three Michelin stars that, that are tattooed on your hand, right? right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you read about it? Did you hear about it? Did you know at some point that that was the plateau? That's where I had to go. Did it come from some of these these other wonderful people that you worked with over the years? Well, you know, for me, my mindset is you're always learning and go as far as you want to go. And when I started at Avenues, even Michelin wasn't around. And when I started as a young cook, I didn't start cooking because I wanted to garner awards and and trophies or whatever you want to call it, accolades. So that was never my driving force. I, I think the accolade awards, you know, it's a great thing and it's and it's uh, recognizing that something great in their field. And I think as well. But if if you're driven from that, I think that you're going from the wrong place. I think it has to be driven from within. It was never around when as I was growing up through through the culinary world until. My first year at Avenues, when they announced that they were uh, coming to the city of Chicago, it, it's ingrained in my head how exciting everyone around me was that we now we have this opportunity as a young chef. And when I started at Avenues, they announced that. And I was really excited about where I stood in that whole world of cuisine. You know, I was just getting my voice in the world. And, um, you know, the first year that it came out in Chicago, we were able to receive two Michelin stars and that was an incredible feat. And that just solidified I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And it was very, very well received. So for, for, for the audience, you've got one star, Mich uh, Michelin star, two stars, three stars. And it's been said different ways, right? One Michelin star, is kind of worth turning off the road, right? To going to that restaurant, two stars, boy, you're, you're probably going to plan to go to that restaurant and three stars means that people wrap their vacation and they mortgage their second homes to, to, <laughs> to travel to that restaurant. 
Um, yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. What's that pressure like? There's tons of books and you know, you read those stories about the chef who heard a rumor that perhaps they weren't going to get that next star or, or be renewed the star. And it just over, it overwhelms them, right? Can you speak yeah. a little bit about the pressure and how you've been able to handle that so well over the years? Everybody was playing their part. Everybody was doing what they were supposed to do and with the utmost refinement. And I said to them, if we start changing things and really start nitpicking things, I think it's going too far. I think we have to stay on track and maintain the quality and consistency of what we were doing to get where we are and continue with that drive and that vision and not sit back and really try to nitpick everything. And we were talking about putting a piece of china down and just making sure that it was perfectly an inch from the edge of the table and just going to extreme links. And I think that could break somebody. And, you know, as long as we're doing things with passion and love and everybody has the right goal, it's inevitable that you're going to continue down that path. It comes together. Yeah. It does come together. So as much as I think about, you know, maintaining, I also equally think about what we're doing is right what we're supposed to be doing. So I don't put a lot of thought into it. Um, Obviously, consistency is my biggest pet peeve and making sure that everything that we're doing every day is consistently as good as it was yesterday and even better. Yeah. I've had the honor of dining back in the day at Grace a couple of times. And and the way way I explain it, or or what stood out for me, I should say, is how special it made me feel and my wife and the team I had with me one time feel just when we walked into the door, right? It was stylish, but comfortable. It felt in a weird sort of way familiar, like I was supposed to be there. From the greeting at the door to a comfortable seat while I had a, you know, a beautiful glass of cucumber water or whatever it was. And just, I just felt so prepared to then sit down in the theater, if you will, because of, you know, the glass windows on the kitchen and, and the sure. beauty. Oh, yeah. it's, it was just really, really something. You and I have talked a little bit about that over the years. The things you thought about, like the compressors being in a different building so that you wouldn't have that noise in the kitchen. Can you speak a little bit about where does that come from? Where does that inspiration, is that waking up in the middle of the night and writing notes to yourself or texting <laughs> yourself like, what if, what if we had a kitchen with no noise, just the beauty of beautiful work coming together. Where does that come from, Chef? Well, you know, that comes from many, many years in the business. And every job that I've taken, I've always tried to take the good and the bad from it. And there's always going to be good and bad in every restaurant. And, you know, if you take all the good and you take the things that what you would change, you put yourself in in that restaurant's position, what would you change about it? And, you know, I played that game a lot throughout my career. And I try to teach my young cooks the same thing is putting, you got to play these games in your head to then ultimately get what you want in the very end, which is your ultimate goal, which makes everyone successful. But that comes from, you know, just being in kitchens long enough and knowing what you want and finding ways to execute it. So if you're talking about like the noise of the, the compressors of the cooler and let's say the hood fan, those are very loud noises in the kitchen that forces everyone to speak higher than normal. Mm -hmm. And now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden this becomes a very loud kitchen. And 
that's it's exhausting on the brain. That's exhausting by the end of the day mentally. So you can't focus you know, on the how food. Do we take, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do we yeah. take those things away from the kitchen so then it creates an environment that is, you know, more of a not comfortable because I don't like the word comfortable, but it is a <laughs> more of a quiet at ease situation than this loud noise. It's just this white noise in your ear all day long. And, you know, you don't really realize it until you leave the kitchen at night and you go, God, that kitchen is loud. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere I travel, it's the same thing. I'm like, man, it's so loud in here. It's so loud in here because, you know, you can literally hear a pen drop in the kitchen at ever because the hoods that we've installed are, it's a green system. So the fans we're able to control all the compressors for all the refrigeration are outside in the area. Mm-hmm. So all that noise is gone. You don't hear the fans. You don't hear the compressors kick on and blow the air. And it's just very quiet. It's just the food. It's and just it's, the food. It's just very important to me because that gives the cooks the utmost focus. They, they have no excuses. Um, it's just all focus on the food and the task at hand. Is that all? Because it's a big picture. It's not just, oh, what kind of plates are we going to use? What type of uh, glassware are we going to use? There's, there's so much involved and it's clearly, you know, part your personality, part your, your philosophy. It's your name on the line every single right. day, right? Every day, every day. And so you, you've talked a little bit about, <clears throat> you know, where it came from, where it originated. Talk a little bit about your overall philosophy around food and how that manifests itself on every plate that you serve to your guests. How do they get a piece of Chef Curtis Duffy, every time something's put in front of them? Tough question. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, not at all. That's actually a really easy question because that's that's my world. So I start with ingredient. My, my cuisine is ingredient driven. And my cuisine is oftentimes I refer to as a personality cuisine, like you said. These are the things that I enjoy eating in the season. These are things that I enjoy cooking in the season. So it's very easy to compose a dish with something that you enjoy eating. Now, I'm allergic to shrimp, so you'll never see shrimp on the restaurant's menu. You'll never see me eating shrimp unless someone does it on purpose. <laughs> but, but for the most part, those are things that I, I, I enjoy eating, so it's very easily to cook. And, you know, the base of the menu starts with the ingredients, so... If we're talking ingredient focused, we, you know, we pick to conceptualize a dish really quickly. We would pick one ingredient and, you know, that's the main element of the dish. Mm-hmm. Finds two to three supporting elements in terms of flavor profile. It's really about it. And then we try to take all of those elements and explore them to the max possibly can, whether it's technique, ways of uh, getting the flavor onto the, onto the dish itself. And then that's really start where it starts to take shape. So we're always tweaking it. We'll tweak it. And then once we get it to a place where we're happy with it, that's when it will end you. Yeah. My takeaways there, you said a few very poignant things, especially for our students that'll listen to the, to the chat. You, you mentioned technique. You mentioned in the season. That cannot be understated, right? Cooking Correct. within the season. I love that. Sort of in summary, it's kind of start with what, what you know, right? I think it's super, super interesting that you're building menus around what you're comfortable with, what you know, what you love, and then sharing that with your guests. That's it's a wonderful way to approach building your, you know, your menu. When you think about all the young culinarians that uh, that work in your kitchens, and 
and those that'll listen to this podcast and those that'll go to school five years from now, what advice do you have not only about young people today coming out of a pandemic, about our industry, but also for those entrepreneur-minded folks like yourself who may want to run a restaurant of their own someday or even own a restaurant of their own someday? Any kind of high-level words of advice there? Yeah, I have lots of them, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Good, good. Hire a lawyer, first and foremost. (laughs) Make sure you're surrounded, obviously, with a great team. But, you know, with anything in life, I've always said that you have a great responsibility to do something great. It's only your responsibility and you have to hold yourself to it. No one else is going to hold you to do something great in life, whether that's photography, uh, food sculpture, painting, art, whatever it is, if it's cuisine then you owe it to yourself to, you know, study and be passionate about it and have that ultimate love that, that you would die for. Really? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it has to be that strong to really be successful in this business and or in any business and to be great at something, you know, it, it, it takes that level of dedication and, you know, the work ethic is gotta be relentless. You have to be willing to, Give 110% if you expect to get 110% out of something. You know, it's always that that saying is you get what you give. And mm-hmm. if you give 100%, you're going to get 100%. So that's, you know, it's got to be within. It's got to be that fire within every single day. You have to wake up with that burning desire to, to do something great. Really, that's what it boils down to. Yeah, that's great advice. That's strong advice. It's stern advice, but good advice. I'm going to take it back a few years, and I, and I think you'll smile. You don't know that I'm going to ask you this, but uh, uh, <laughs> Farmer Lee Jones, who's become very, very close to Escoffier over the years, just a delightful individual. And I know that you started engaging with Farmer Lee years ago, and yeah. you, were, you were taking your team down to the, to the farm in Ohio, and you were bringing in these unbelievable specialty vegetables. And so where, where I'm going with that is any any comments on on your friendship with Farmer Lee, and then let's talk vegetables for a moment too. You've probably seen that you know Daniel's uh, you know gone 100 vegan there in New York with right. his restaurant. Yeah. And and any thoughts? Uh, you know, first of all, let's talk about farmers. Is is is, uh, uh, is that relationship still there? Are you guys still chatting now and again? Still using some of his stuff? Absolutely. You know, I started buying from Farmer in '92. So wow. we're in 91, 92. Wow. And I quickly learned in that moment buying from Farmer. He used to drive down from Cleveland down to Columbus. And that's about an hour and a half, two hour drive. And he would come down there. I believe it was two times a week. Maybe it was one time a week. But he would bring this amazing product into the restaurant. And as just developing a relationship with him through that time, I realized that the importance of having that relationship with with your farmer and fishmonger or forager, whoever you're buying product from, it's incredibly important to have that relationship with, with them. And over the years, we've just developed this really great relationship, this great friendship. I respect him as a man. I respect him as a businessman. He's a, and as a family man, he's an incredibly generous human being. His whole family, you know, his brother, Bob, his father and his mother, they're just an incredible people. And I've been to the farm many, many times, and I've taken my my teams there many, many times. We've stayed there. We've we've just done 
research with them. We've done a lot of things with them. And, you know, Farmer's just an incredible, incredible man. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for sharing that. And I think the lesson in there too, you know, for those listening is establishing that relationship with your farmers. So everything that goes on your plate, you know, exactly where it came from. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, gosh, so, so very important. What What do you think, Chef, of, about this, uh, this movement towards more plant-centric lifestyles, menus, uh, dishes? Is it is it something you're seeing a lot at ever as well? Well, you know, it's um, I've I've said for a long time. It's people are finally realizing, and this is where you can see that you know Charlie Trotter was so far ahead of his time. This is not new. This is not a new cuisine. It's been around for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, we are just we are as people so slow to catch up to these things and realize these things. But, you know, I've, I've been focusing on vegetable cuisine since I left Alinea when I, when I ran avenues, I had a full vegetable menu. I had a full vegetable menu at grace, you know, we're talking 15 courses of vegetables. So it's nothing new. Uh, we're just a lot of people playing catch up. Yeah. I love that. It, it's uh, so well stated. I appreciate that. Let's talk a little bit about giving back. You know, you spend a lot of time. I don't know where you find the time, but you have found the time to speak with us, to give back to charities, to volunteer. Can you talk a little bit about the the, the Grand Chefs Gala, your fundraising efforts with uh, cystic fibrosis and all of that? Is this, uh-huh. is this all a labor of love? Is this very personal to you? As chefs, we're in the hospitality business. We are meant to be hospitable. That's what we do. And any opportunity that we get, we generally say yes. Now, if we said yes to every um, <laughs> event, everybody that reached out, you know, that'd be our sole job would be just cooking for charities and we wouldn't make any money at all. But we have to set our limits and our budgets every year to be able to, to give back to what we feel is important. And, you know, we would love to say yes to every one of them, but it's not possible. But you know, I think it is important that we find time to to give back. It's our responsibility to give back. You know, the community has given us a great opportunity to have in their city and their community. And it, it's we need to be giving back. You know, it's important. Yeah. And we and, and we appreciate that you do do that. I love that you said chefs are meant to be hospitable. They're in the hospitality industry. That's just really, really profound. Any current new projects that you're working on that you can share? Any sneak mm-hmm. peek into what's going on, you know, behind the scenes? Wow. Let's see. <laughs> Where do you start? <laughs> what can I say without getting in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we are working on things. I can't tell you exactly what they are, but we are working and have been working for a few months now on new projects, which we're really excited to announce in the coming months. And yeah, I think it's, you know, we looked at ourselves and said, what do we want to do or what do we need to do? And we're, we're in a great location where development is all around us and we see what's coming. But I think as a, as a restaurant group, it would be foolish to think to ourselves, well, let's just do something we want to do. But knowing what's coming around us, we need to think of what is needed and that's the only way it helps the city sustain itself and help the city grow. We're looking around to see, okay, what can we do? What do we need to do? What does this area need that is missing? And that's really what we're focusing on. And that's what we're going to do. 
so modest, so selfless. I love that. I, lo- I love the fact that you use the, the term we as much as you do because your team your team is so important to you. And absolutely, you've always talked about that. And I'm just the face of the restaurant. I'm the face of the business, the, the, you know, but behind me, army of people that I count on today. And they're the ones that really make it happen. That's, I yeah. mean, their relentless work ethic and their push every single day is what gives me the ability to do what I'm doing now and gives me the ability to grow the brand and then give, you know, the opportunity to grow with me. And if I'm standing in the kitchen every single day, peeling vegetables, butchering fish, picking herbs, we don't grow. Mm-hmm. We just mm-hmm. stand still and we have this great restaurant. Well, we want more than that. You know, we deserve more than that. So for me to be able to do that, I have to have some time outside of the kitchen to do all these other things. Otherwise, we stand still. Yeah, and, and you definitely, you and the team definitely deserve that. So really, really appreciate that. So we're getting close to Thank our you. time. I'm going to put you on the spot. The name of the podcast is The Ultimate Dish. So, Chef ah. Duffy, what is The Ultimate Dish? Great question. I would have to say, as least as I get it, I think sitting around the dining room table with my family is probably the most important for me. That's great. You know, That's great. Having my wife and four, four children around me and I'm getting emotional. <laughs> oh, it's so, so appreciated. You know, because it's, it's yeah. so wanting every day. You know, you want that time with, you know, the people that you love, but, you know, you're pushing every day in the restaurant and, you know, it takes, it takes, you know, we do try to enjoy a family meal at least, you know, once a week when everyone's around. So I, that's I, the ultimate dish. I, <laughs> I appreciate it so much, Chef. The emotion is, is so so honest and so real. Thank you. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm off to Chicago. I'm hoping to, uh, to come see you very, very soon. You know, you're, you're welcome. One of our kitchens is named after you. We, we are so yes, appreciative that, uh, <laughs> that you're in the family, part of our advisory board. And um, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule today to chat with us. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been an honor to speak with you, Kirk, as always. And, uh, you're in Chicago, please. You know, I know you're coming tonight. And if you have five minutes to stop by the restaurant, I'd love to see you. It'd be I, amazing. We love you so much, Chef. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Likewise. Thank you for listening to the Ultimate Dish Podcast brought to you by Augusta Scoffier School of Culinary Arts. Visit escoffier.edu forward slash podcast, where you'll find any materials mentioned during the podcast, including notes, links, and other resources. You can always browse other episodes and subscribe.